You're listening to an interview previously recorded for radio broadcast. What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. Hey guys, it's the Animal, and I've got none other than the amp builder extraordinaire, the guy who puts the bow in boutique, Mr. Lee Jackson. Lee, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you today? Oh, I'm, I've got you on the phone, dude. I am absolutely incredible. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. Um, this is awesome. I'm so glad you asked me to come on to your show. Um, what would you like to know? Well, okay. So back in the day, back when Metaltronics really first took off, you were used by everybody. I mean, there wasn't an album that came out that wasn't a Lee Jackson head or a modification on that track. That it was, it was a, a, a magical time, you know, when, uh, it originally started, actually, it started out of my house. I, I, I was working for Fender, and I just wanted to do something new and different than what was happening at Fender. And I came up with the idea of the name Metaltronics, and I, I quit Fender. I mean, literally just quit, went. We, at the time, me and my wife moved back to Tahunga, and I set up uh, one of the rooms in the house to do, you know, a laboratory. Right. And I put I put a ad in a Guitar Player magazine. It was a half page ad. It was a lot of money at that time for me. <laughs> that said, I can create your dreams. Call blah 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 blah. Seriously, it was that easy? Oh. And um, and the calls started coming in, and I had to do quotes within, you know. 10 minutes of the call, right? Going, okay, I think I'll do that for you for this amount. And let me tell you, sometimes you win, sometimes you really lost. Right. But I, I always delivered. I always delivered. It just sometimes, you know, I made zero money or anti money, but, but I was started building, you know, stuff for people. And um, then what started happening was, I used to play professionally on the Sunset Strip as a guitar player in many different bands. And a lot of these guys that later became famous were the same cats that we were all hanging out with on the Sunset Strip. So when they found out that I was, you know, doing gear, that's how I got the George Lynch's and the Steve Vai's and all these guys, because they were all the cats hanging out down on the Sunset Strip. And, um, oh, wow. So, yeah. So, so what happened is I, it started getting crazy and my wife just couldn't take the, the stuff being in the house. I got, <laughs> uh, I got this little music store. I got a corner in this music store um, down, down in Reseda and uh, started doing the work out of there. And later we took over the whole store and became metal trunks became the whole place. It was it, it, we took it over. And uh, <clears throat> so I started off with one employee and it was hilarious because he, he dealt with the phones and, you know, we would do the work and, and we'd go to lunch and we'd reminisce about, Oh, wouldn't it be great 
if we could get this person or that person, you know? Yeah. And what would happen is the phone would ring and he would point at the phone and mouth off like it, it's rat or it's, <laughs> it's, it's George Lynch. And it was like, I'm not kidding you week after week, we got, we were on every album of the eighties. I mean, you name, you name it from rat docking, um, you know, Ozzy, loudness um yeah. all the european bands you know like uh, you know king diamond and you know it was just it i mean it went on and it was it was amazing because every week we were um in a new studio and uh, and and bringing gear in and it was it was amazing because uh it was an that i i wish you know at that time there wasn't camcorders there wasn't cell phones there wasn't anything to film what was going on right? yeah and i really wish because what a great documentary um i was just i was just talking with um uh, uh billy sheehan on my on my uh podcast and um he we were talking about that whole thing when when uh i get a call from steve i and he's like Man, I really need help. We're working on this album, and and they're not happy with what's going on. And I said, well, we're really busy. I said, I don't have any, you know, I don't have time to like just build you an amp. And he, I said, but I do have my personal rig that's in my house. I said, if you want to use that, you can. He goes, please. So I, I get my crew, and we run out to my house with the truck, pick up uh, two heads, two bottoms. And, and we run out to the studio and everybody's there. They're all, you know, Ted Templeman and, and Steve and, <laughs> and, and, and they're all there with their crossed arms, you know, looking, you know, staring at us as we're loading, as we're bringing the stuff in. And I, I set up the heads. I also brought one of my new split splitter pedals um, to split the amps and, and I basically, as they're all standing there, I hand Steve a guitar chord. He plugs in, hits his first chord, and all of them jumped up in the air in excitement and went, <laughs> yes, that's it. And I'm not exaggerating. At that point, David pulled a wad of hundreds out of his pocket and started giving all my crew <laughs> money. <laughs> and he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And... uh so Steve used all my my gear for the Eat 'em and Smile album, and then afterwards, I built his tour rigs. But right. uh, yeah, no, it was that period of time. It, it was fun because exciting music was coming out that time, and things were you know were expanding. And and like you were saying, it started off it started off with modding Marshalls, right? We mod oh, yeah. well, we modded a lot of Fenders too, but we we modded Marshalls and then i realized that we weren't expanding the name of the of my business we were basically helping marshall right because somebody <laughs> would go to a concert and they'd hear this great sound and they would see a marshall head and they go oh it's marshall no they no, don't no, sound like really that stuff <laughs> and uh so that's when i came up with the head right okay. made, made the, the m1000 and so that was basically our amp, you know, completely um, 
custom made, custom designed to, you know, to create the sound that we were doing. And, and, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a fun time. I, I, I miss the eighties. Well, yeah. So back, it was, uh, probably 1990. I'm at a music store in Shawnee, Kansas, and I see this amp over in the corner and it's a head and they've got it hooked to, uh, it was, a, I think it was a Marshall, uh, 1960 B and I, I, I looked at the guy Calvin who owned the place and said, what is that? He goes, Oh, you don't know. And I was like, no, I, what is this? It was, a, it was an M 1000 and he goes, you've got to play this. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I sat down with this guitar and I'm, I'm playing this thing. And I, I looked at him, and I said, how much is this? And he told me the price. And I was like, don't let this go anywhere. I'm going to the bank. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I bought the first real super badass tube head I'd ever owned in my life. And oh, you know, man, I, that's I, awesome. I had, I've had the JCM 800s. I've had the 900s. Uh, I've even had the SLOs. But your M1000, not only would it melt your face off, but it had that side to it that, was clean and you could roll up on your volume pod and it would just go insane. So I totally well, it, get, I totally, totally get what you're saying by David Lee Roth pulling out money and going here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, it, if you listen to eat him and smile, what a great sounding album. I mean, everybody on that band was just killing it. And, and Steve is an amazing guitar player, yeah. and, and you know, so it, it it really fused well with his style. You know, I I was gonna say, you know, on the on a side note on the M1000 at one of the NAM shows, I met the guy that did. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name right now. That did all the tracks for uh, Guitar Hero. You know, the, the Guitar okay. Hero. You remember, remember Guitar Hero? Was that <laughs> yeah. thing that you, I you can played, play guitar. Right? No, you can't. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, you know, they remade all the tracks, right? None of that's the real tracks. They Seriously, all, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, no, because of some legal reasons, they oh. they had to remake the tracks. Well, I met the guy that that played the guitar on all the tracks, and he comes up to me. He goes. He goes, dude, I used an M1000 to redo all those tracks that I did for, uh, you know, for Guitar Hero. So <laughs> it goes to show you the width of what that amp will do, because, you know, it, those were a lot of different kinds of music that Guitar Hero was doing. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it's it. The M1000 was a was a great, you know, amp during that same time. You know, I did the GP uh, 1000, uh, preamps. Right. Right. And that, that was, that, that started off the whole custom, you know, manufacturing products. Um, I had gotten this idea of making a modular system, just like, you know, I had a modular stereo yep. system with a pre's and power amps. And, and I started thinking, well, why don't I just design a guitar system like that? You know, where you had a modular pre's and modular power amps, and um, that's how that how the 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 GP and the SP, which was also the power amp, um, so you know to go along with it, so that we had within 
four uh two rack spaces we had a preamp and a power amp so wow but that was you know that was a different time you know people were into having big rigs yeah you know i mean you see the rig that i built for zach wild during that for the aussie no oh, yeah rig, that was care. it was a 20 yeah, space we completely called, full it, well it was we called the thing the widow maker it was it held it held two heads a whole rack like 20 spaces rack of preamps and effects and switchers and all that stuff and then also two um h and h 800 watt each power amps because that's what the preamps drove right, right into into cabinets because the the first time that we we showed up with uh heads for zach to 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 after after the we built the heads to do the album, but then we, they wanted the tour system built and we show up with a couple hundred watt heads and on one of the rehearsals, huge rehearsal stages and Zach's playing and he's like, it sounds like bees. Cause you don't, you don't realize that a 40 foot stage, you know, with a cabinet sitting on a hundred watts is nothing. No, it I mean, if you're, clo- if you're close, you know, if you put it in a closed room or you're close to it, it'll hurt you, right? Yep. But you put it on a big stage and you walk across the stage, you barely can hear it because it's so directional, right? It's, yeah. You know, so we said, okay, we can fix that. So we strapped in these 1,600 watt <laughs> of power amps and then uh, changed out all the cabinets with EVs because he was eating speakers every night. Um, running those, running regular Marshall cabinets with, you know, 80 watt selections, they weren't, they weren't handling it. So we, we changed them out with EVs and, and then when he played earth moved on his side of the stage, Ozzy, Ozzy would come over, turn around and walk back. He's like, no, (laughs) I don't want any part of this. I'm the Prince of darkness, but I don't want to die. Yeah, because it was so loud, right? But it yeah. was perfect, um, and and you really, you know, you, you definitely heard it during the the No Rest tour. He had he had the sound of doom. You yeah, know, exactly. That. So Go know, going from those days when, I mean, everybody, I had uh, three twenty space racks that were full of just nonsense. Uh, now they have these the, you know, the, these modelers. What is right. your honest take on these little? I mean, it's it's what th- four space four space rack that is supposedly yeah. does everything. I don't get them. Well, you know, it, I, I they're not even close. No. The the thing is, is they work. They're great to save money. A lot of bands now are taking them on tours because they just you know they put the fake cabinets up and then they put yeah. the modeler behind. Um, I'll say it as this modelers are 2d and real amps are 3d because you can, you, you know, if you put a mic in front of a modeler and you put a mic in front of a real amp, there's no comparison. If you're recording your album, I I know a lot of people do it. Michael Wagner loves this now. He, Uh you know, he's, he, he records with modeling amps and, uh, I know it's easy to record with modeling amps. It's just, you know, it's a lot harder with tube amps. You know, you, you've got to work with it a lot more to get the exact sound the way you want it. Right. But the life of a, of a tube amp is 
Well, the best thing I can say is it's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It literally, you're dealing with extreme high voltages and you're, con- you're, you know, you're dealing with lightning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas um, a modeler, you're dealing with extremely low voltages. It doesn't, it has, doesn't have the fire, you, you know, I mean, you listen to yeah. early Van Halen, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> well, and so uh, myself and uh, a, a band, when I was up in central Kansas, I was working at a radio station and uh, I'm not even going to play punch here. 38 special came to town and I was talking to Don and he goes, yeah, he goes, we're using these modelers. And I said, why he was it's like fresh tubes every night i was like but you're losing the touch he goes what <laughs> i said you might be saving the back of a roadie but you're losing the quality of the sound i said i've heard these modelers i was i've seen the modelers from the infant stage from when rocktron first started with them to now you're losing the grip and he goes I'm not following you. <laughs> so I explained it deeper to him and he goes, he goes, when I get home, I'm going to put my marshals up against this thing and, and see, I was like, you call me and tell me what you find out. I haven't heard a word from him. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, um, I, 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 I've had it. We, we've done like, you know, shootouts in the studios where, you know, you've had real amps You've had model amps. And, you know, like I said, it sounds great when you're sitting there playing mm-hmm. with it by itself. But if you literally put a real amp next to it, it's they don't sound the same. They don't it doesn't feel the same. Right. It, it, it's just not the, it's just not the same. But I understand. I completely understand why people like them, because it, it is they're They're low cost. They, they don't, you know, if if you. Uh, um, if you break down on the road, as long as you have uh, the, the 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 files, you can pick up a new one, dump yep. your files in, and off you go again, right? I, I mean, it's it, it's it's easy use, but you know, it's like MP3s. You know, yeah, they're easy to listen to, but there's no comparison of an MP3 listening to you know a high a high def recording. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 just in its nature that it's not even the same. There's no, the frequencies aren't there, you know? So it's, again, it's yeah. that ease of use to, to, you know, how important it is to you. Right. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, yeah. how that goes. So did you ever mod any of the, uh, like Eddie Van Halen marshals? I didn't mod, but I did work on, um, on Eddie's, uh, number one amp. Um, okay. I got, yeah, I got a call on a Saturday. I didn't, cause I'd never heard Eddie's voice before. I thought somebody was playing with me because, you know, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie had a, Eddie had a little, uh, his voice was like little sounding, you know, I expected yep. Eddie Van Halen to have this big voice, you know, but <laughs> he, yeah, I was sitting there and back in the day when, you know, we had those uh, phone machine, you know, those tape yeah. phone machines Right. So it clicked. I didn't pick it up. I was laying in bed. It was early Saturday. And all of a sudden it's Eddie going, you know, Hey Lee, Zach Wild gave me your phone number. Uh, please help me and, <laughs> and gave his phone number. And I swear, I thought that uh, somebody was 
screwing with me. Right. Yeah. But I, I said, okay, I'll, you know, so I call it and Valerie picks it up and, and she goes, who's this? And I said, it's Lee Jackson. She goes, hold on. And (laughs) here comes Eddie, here comes Eddie. And he's like, Hey man, help me at my number one amp. I blew the output transformer. You know, can you help me on this? I said, yeah. And he, he was very lucky at the time. There was this old man that lived in Hollywood and he used to hand rebuild transformers in his house. Oh and my God. his house, his house was something to see. Let me tell you, um, it, it you know, you walk in and it was transformer parts all over the place. He would use the kitchen table and the, oven to bake the transformers and anyway i so i took so i took the transformer out of his amp and i took it over there and i said please just rewind this because that's the magic of the amp is the transformer right Right. and and uh i i had him rewind it and then i brought it back put it in and then one of the other things that eddie did was before I left from picking it up, he brings out four brand new six CA7s and goes, please put these in. Cause that's, that was another part of his magic was using those Sylvania six CA7s. And, uh, but the amp is a hundred percent stock. Everybody thinks that, you know, it's just a great sounding amp. It, uh, I know other people have, that have had a chance to open it up say the same thing there was one resistor value that was changed on on the first plate and it wasn't changed it came that way from marshall and uh which changed the input stage a little bit and but other than that stock amp and um that that was when they did the from card knowledge album that okay. was during that time and um i yeah it was fun brought it back and sat there while he was uh, while they started tracking the album, and uh, it it was interesting because he would sit he could sit there, smoke a cigarette, be playing, talking to me while he's tracking <laughs> while he's tracking the song. Yeah. He was sitting there just like you know I mean so nonchalantly like you know it was <clears throat> what a great guy I, I miss him oh really oh, absolutely. really nice. he's. I never, well, I take that back. I met Eddie Van Halen one time. It was uh, in Kansas City at Kemper Arena. And uh, it was it was just a, a chance. I was walking one way. He was walking the other way. And I, I just looked at him and said, dude, you're, he goes, yeah, I am. Good to meet you. And, and he goes, I got to go. I'm sorry. And took off, you know, but he was very polite about it. Very, very, very nice guy. Extremely nice guy. Um, you know, when, when I was, when I was, working with him during that time, you know, he would take me out and show me all his cars. Cause you know, 5150 has garages all the way around the front side and the back side, And that's yeah. where he kept his cars and, and he would pull them out and go, Hey, check this out and check this. And the other thing that was really cool about his place was that up upstairs above the studio, he recreated a full music store with really? the glass cases and the and the guitars on the wall and pickups he he would go up there like a music store and go let's see i want this pickup and i take this <laughs> guitar body i'm serious and it was all done like that on the on the upper level it was That's, really cool really really nice place now yeah. a, a myth that's going around about uh, Eddie Van Halen's amps was that he used a dimmer switch to get them, get the tubes to burn a little bit hotter. Is that 
true or no no he used a very he he actually you know this was during not a his best of times but he he put in in a guitar player interview that he used a variac and that he turned the voltage up higher than w- the wall current and mm. which caused a lot of people to blow their amps up and <laughs> and that and they had they had to reprint you'll know they had to reprint a rebuttal and say you know so, sorry no what he does is he is he well did i mean sorry he's not here but what he did is he would turn it down as low as it would go before the heaters would turn off. So about 90 volts, okay. he would set them at about 90 volts. And, you know, you take a stock older Marshall, put it on a Variac, turn it down to 90 volts, light it up, and you've got, you've got Eddie Van Halen sound. It's, wow. it's, uh, I, I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's pretty straightforward there. Um, it, cause it, what it does is it allows the compression it allow it allows the 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 amp to distort at a lower volume, yeah. And uh, and that's what he did. That's 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 his that's his sound. Um, you know, the wild thing is, all these people thought that Jose did his amps. You know, Jose used to work for Ampeg, and right. how he met Eddie was because he serviced uh, Michael Anthony's SVTs, right? Okay. And that's how that's how they met each other. And and what's kind of interesting is uh eddie didn't play you know the the mod that other people you know over the years the the jose mod i never saw eddie one time use that amp uh in in recording he always used the this number one head the one that 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 he used on which is stock and um, no tolex and lots of dents (laughs) yeah no no it was you know i he never took it on the road but he he definitely that was his, you know, coveted amp. Yes. Um, you know, but yeah, no, no, it was great. It, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the sound also is the recording technique. You know, when, when they first fired it up, I was out in the, actually where he would put his amps were in his room where he, you see those pictures where he's working on his guitar on a, on a, like a tabletop, yeah. like a bench kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a room that was on the far left of the recording studio. And that's where they would actually put the cabinet in there and, and track it. And I remember hanging out there listening and, uh, and going, wow, that doesn't sound like the album. And then walking inside and then hearing it come through the playbacks. And it was like, after it goes through all the gear and the yep. preamps and the, you know what I'm saying? All, <laughs> all the studio gear, all of a sudden there, you know, there it is, you know, but it, yeah, yeah, that was again, what a, what a great time that was uh, to, to get a chance to work with him. Absolutely. So, Hey, let's take a little break. What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. Okay, hey, we're back. We got Lee Jackson with us. And Lee, tell me about exploding on the world scene with the Moscow Peace Festival. Your Metaltronics sitting there in all their glory, 
just melting that place to the ground. That was, that was an amazing time. You know, that everybody was kind of scared all the, you know, cause they all flew on one plane, you know, all the bands that were on the Moscow oh my God. Uh, <laughs> festival all. And there was all, you know, there was rumor, you know, like between the band members going, man, if they wanted to take us all out at once, you know, it was this all is it. one, <laughs> one plane. And uh, so, yeah, it was exciting because we had just finished these new cabinets for, for Zach, where we, where we painted the front grills gold and uh, we did, you know, they, they were our stock cabs, but we just did some different tricks to him because that's what he wanted. He right. asked for, for this. So to be different. Right. And uh, which was, you know, this is the first time that Moscow's open to the, to America. Right. And cause it was pretty closed down country up to that point. So it was exciting for us and me, uh, you know, to have, Metaltronics to be on the on the stage at in Moscow and Ozzy because there's a great shot that I have where Ozzy's in front of the stacks of cabs, you know, doing his hand clapping. Yeah, and uh, it it you know so yeah that was heard some interesting stories. You know, um, they were all put up. All the bands were put up in this one big um, hotel complex and. Zach was telling me, he goes, at one point, you know, they were, you know, every floor had um, somebody watching right at the, at the uh, um, elevators. You know, there was a desk at every elevator on the floor. And at one point they would get on the elevator and something happened where it opened on a floor that wasn't their floor. Right. Uh-huh. And there was nothing but video monitor screens. They were, they were monitoring everybody. <laughs> and it was like, they, they realized, uh Oh, you know, they're being watched. And, uh, cause it, you know, it was still that time uh, for Russia, you know, it'd only been a couple of years since they had opened up to the rest of the world. And, yeah. the, you know, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a great time because the just had finished, you know, no rest for the wicked, which was the album was just killing. Oh yeah. And uh, was. yeah, that, that was fun. You know, uh, during that tour, uh, Sharon, one of the things that I did as a, for, as Metaltronics was that we would, we would help in the studio and we would help on the road. If, if anything was needed, we were there, you know, to make sure that it was always on a roll. And Sharon made, you know, had me on a, uh, a one to two hour call to, you know, like to be on a jet and to be somewhere. Cause that would happen. Zach would touch something. Zach would, you know, <laughs> mess with something. I I'm not exaggerating. There was many a time I'd get a call from Sharon and Sharon goes, there's a ticket at LAX seven o'clock please see you when you get here. And I would, I'm not exaggerating. I would fly to a location. I would get, you know, they would take me to the, to the venue. I'd show up. I'd be there with the roadies, readjust everything. And it's like, okay, you're ready to go again. And it was like, and you know, cause you know, they did that system was really elaborate for the no rest tour. And, and, you know, if, if he messed with stuff, you know, later what we did 
was, and you'll see on some of the early pictures, is we bolted a plexiglass plate across all the knobs. So he couldn't, <laughs> so he couldn't turn them. And you'll see that too. You'll see uh, um, it, on some of those early pictures, a plexiglass plate with only a spot open for the overall volume. <laughs> that is so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you can adjust the overall volume. Well, it was better than that, than me constantly having to, to fly out. Right. Now, sometimes sometimes I would stay and then fly back with Ozzy and me and Ozzy because we both lived in Malibu at the time. So it would make sense. I, we would yeah. just fly together and then come, you know, come back to because I, I lived a couple miles from him. And, <laughs> well, you know, because they just they had a, a house that they rented out there. And, yeah. But, but yeah, so, and you know, the wild thing is people would not recognize that it was Ozzy because he would wear his sweaters and he would, yep. he would, he would just downplay himself. The, the thing that I remember the best though, were the stories that he would sit there and tell me as we were, as we were flying, he would talk about, you know, the black Sabbath days and, right. oh. and tell me, you know, one last anecdote is he would sit there and say, yeah, at one point we tried to see how much acid we could take and still make it through the show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've not had the privilege yet of uh, doing an interview with Ozzy. I, I hope to get that. That's one of my bucket list things. Uh, he's such a, he's such a nice guy. He's really That's what everybody's told me about him. So I, yeah, I, he's, he's, he's extremely personable and very nice. And yeah, you, 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 you'd you be lucky. He's, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. But you know, uh, I remember reading articles and interviews with him where he, he tells people, he goes, he goes, I am Ozzy on stage. I am Ozzy when I'm telling stories of the past, he goes, I'm John Michael when I'm, just out. He goes, I'm, he goes, well, I'm not always that persona. Oh, I can tell you from being on tour with him that backstage, we, it's, he's a, when, when most, most staging has those metal stairs that come up to the first platform and I would be up on the top of that platform and he'd be walking up. And as soon as he'd get onto that, onto the main stage, you could see the shift. He uh -huh. would, it, 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 he would definitely change into Ozzy because you notice he doesn't stutter. He right. doesn't, he sings, he's, he, you know, and then as soon as he'd walk off stage, he'd be back to, you know, I'm serious. It's, it's like Mel Tillis, it's you know, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. I, so I think, yeah, there's no question. He, he has a different persona on stage than he does off stage because off stage, he's really funny. He's funny all the time. He's, yeah, he's a he's a good guy. He's a definitely good guy. Well, that's awesome. And so you, I mean, you have actually worked with the the rock and roll royalty. Uh, is there anybody? Okay, let me rephrase this. What is your biggest Spinal Tap moment with any artist? Oh God that I can talk about <laughs> <laughs> something that doesn't go to something that's not going to have some backlash to it. Yes. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, cause you know, during the eighties, we're talking about a pretty debaucherous time. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. I mean, the partying, um, 
was pretty serious everywhere, you know, and, and it could be at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning. It didn't really matter. You know, the, the, you know, um, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know of anything I can really talk about. I, (laughs) I, I I mean, you know, um, there was definitely a lot of smoking going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a plume uh, of cloud that followed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think, you know, because um, one of the most fun times for me was was w- during the Eat 'Em and Smile tour. Um, not the before the tour, uh, David Lee Roth rented out the Long Beach Arena for a week. Yeah, and 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 they were rehearsing in the Long Beach Arena, and um, because the other guys were working out the material and the staging and all that stuff. David a lot of times would grab me and take me into the what they had set up as his dressing room and play me you know new stuff and one day he he said hey check this out and it was all of Edom and Smile in Spanish all I done saw that album <laughs> yeah cuz he said cuz he's sitting there telling me he goes nobody's doing this he goes I'm going to I'm going to capitalize on the Spanish market and he went back and he sung all the lyrics in Spanish and, yeah. and uh, but yeah it, you know there I, this final tap stuff you know sometimes I'd get stuck on the road with different artists and you know we would find ourselves like cuz you know every town is somebody's party night Right. I mean, the band, it's just another night for when that band comes into that town that those people have probably been waiting a year. Right. For it's them. They're here. Right. So now they want to party. And uh, there was times, you know, that, uh, you know, some a lot of times the management would hold me responsible because I'm supposedly <laughs> the business. I'm the business owner. Right. And I'm going to hang out with the artists and they're like, make sure they're back here by, you know, two o'clock sound check. You know, it's like, you know, trying to tell a bunch of guys, Hey man, I mean, cause I, I'll just, I'm not going to say the band, but I remember one morning we found ourselves a hundred miles away from the venue at somebody's house. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm literally waking up, knocking on doors, trying to find the band members because we got to we. And then we got to find somebody that'll drive us uh, all the way back. It's like, <laughs> how the hell did we? <laughs> how did we get out of here? I don't remember getting in that car. <laughs> I I don't remember getting driving out there. That's the thing. Well, is how? Go ahead. So you know, back in the day everybody was uh, touring together and I kind of got two parter here. I remember we were at, I'm from, I'm actually from Kansas city. So we were at the sandstone amphitheater and I, this changed name so many times, but to us loyals, it's always going to be sandstone. Uh, right. LA guns was playing and right. Tr- I know Tracy used metaltronics cause I saw him on <laughs> behind right. the stage. That's right. Uh, but he's riding a bicycle around before uh, gates opened. And I was working security at this place. He was riding by, and I go, I, I, the buddy I'm with, I'm like, dude, that's Tracy Guns. He goes, who's that? I was like, dude, I'm done talking to you. Fuck off. And <laughs> Right. 
and he comes back by and I drop down on my knees and start doing the oh sensei thing. Right. He stops and looked at me and he goes, You're hanging with me tonight. Come on. Oh, how fun. So how fun. I got to see I uh, he actually had the Metaltronic heads behind the stage going to his system. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Because they Tracy was one of the artists during the eighties that we started working with and yeah, I mean, the list, I mean, you know, we did all Alan Hallsworth. I mean, we oh, did yeah. every, every, like, genre, right? I mean, I mean, the thing that's the wildest is we get a, we get a, a letter from the first seat violinist film art orchestra is using one of my GP1000 preamps. Oh, wow. You know, it's like from... From Philharmonic Orchestra to Ozzy Osbourne, you know it's yeah. like, <laughs> like what well, a gamut, right? Well, you know, I was actually talking to uh, a, a very big country artist. I'm not going to mention any names because he might get in trouble from his uh, endorsement. But I said he was sitting there and he's talking about his amps and how cool they are. And I was like, well, basically that's like an M1000 that is red, and he goes right. He goes, well, he goes, I, I, I guess. I was like, well, why don't you just use the the real deal? I was like, instead of going through all this hoops and bullshit, and he goes, the paycheck. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we, we suffered from that problem several times. I mean, um, I oh God, what was the artist's name? Um, he was a Laney endorser, or it was, and, and he had his, custom build him a bunch of amps which he used on his albums mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden we found out that he took his hand his heads over to laney and uh, they they copied it i think it's one of their models they copied which uh, was uh their their version of my modified marshall and it doesn't sound the same but it no. was you know because there's more to just taking the parts every part is important the transformers are important the type of parts you use you know all right. of that you know even layout you know I'm, when i when i first started designing for ampeg you know i had to work with their layout designers and i had to sit there with a you know like almost a stick going no don't lay that part there no don't put that trace over here and they're yeah. like well that's the way we've always done it it's like no you do right. it this way and, um, because it makes a difference. It, it makes an absolute difference on how something sounds. Well, now, and the, the thing is, is what a lot of people don't understand is the Laney's, uh, the, even the Ampegs, uh, a lot of them, a lot of the, the, well, every one of the crate ones and a lot right. of other amps, they're mass produced. They, they, they're yes. just throwing things together. Whereas the good amps, the, the the ones that you cherish for your life, are hand wired. That's right. That's right. Because well, there's just you know one of the things when I when I started working for Ampeg, they uh, they told me there's there's several things that you have to design around. Number one, there are no soldering irons in the building. We we will not allow the the employees to have soldering irons because they were worried about them burning themselves and. <sighs> You know, so everything had to be push-on connectors, right? Oh, yeah. And and that's and that's the only problem I've had with those VL amps is the push-on connectors fail, and and that's why I have a, um, you know, a, a video I put out on my YouTube site that shows you how to 
take all those out and replace them because once you do that the amp is solid forever yeah you know i mean it's um you know you know because because that was the only thing that we had a problem with was was that you know because it's just you know companies do that because that was the same thing they did with their you know because ampeg and crate was the same company and that's why that's why i designed the the crate stealth series um which my name's not it's a fun amp my name's not on it because they didn't want any confusion um of of uh you know crate yeah. and ampeg and they kind of wanted me to be the ampeg guy and not ampeg exactly. and crate guy you know so but the stealth series absolutely man that amp rips you oh, know yeah. it's that's a fun amp but but yeah you you know uh, recently, I'll t- I'll tell you to take that one step further is what I've been doing lately, which has been really fun, is these guys that that want you know to to pay for it is I'm redoing rebuilding like real 1960s or uh, Marshalls. Oh yeah. Like 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 we we I go and I I create the turret boards. We we find the original components, which you still can find. They're really, you know, those caps now are seventy five dollars each. Holy you can God. find them. You know those, those those mustard caps. Yeah. You can you can find them, but they're like seventy five bucks each. So you know, I redo the whole amp front to back with the parts of the era. Huh. You know, hand hand make the whole thing, and I have to say they they do sound just like they did in the 60s you know i mean it's it's you know it's a sound that's a classic sound that acdc sound that that early you know where the led zeppelin you know great great sound for it's a style it's not overly gainy but it's it's a great great sound you know but yeah you're right it's it's because that that takes you on the other thing is the difference between a circuit board or a turret board or an eyelet board. Cause when I worked at Fender, they were still doing eyelet boards when I, when I was there and the guy, Ed Johns was the head of, of the whole engineering at the time. Well, he was, he was co-head of, they had like an official head guy, but Ed Johns was responsible for okaying anything that was going to go through the R and D, and um, he he steadfast to not changing the the uh, eyelet board because he felt that if if you went to a PC board that it was going to change the sound of the amp, which you know he was right. Yeah. Later on, when they when they went to PC boards, they're not the same amp anymore. You know. Well, so the VL amps that you uh, designed and really kind of babied until its production, whose idea was the key? It was mine. The, really? the, uh, yes. How, okay. How that came about was there was, t- there was twofold. Well, there was threefold, threefold. Okay. The, for the reasoning for it. First off, I was getting I was getting letters because at the time, remember, there wasn't emails. Right. At the time, I, at the time, I was getting letters from artists that were saying, "Man, I came home, my brother turned on my amp and didn't plug in a speaker and blew my amp up, blah 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 blah." Or I'd get a, I get another letter from somebody saying, "Oh, you know, we're sharing a rehearsal room, 
with two or three other bands and one of the other bands used my amp and you know yeah. and blew it up and i started thinking oh, what could i do that would you know stop that from happening so i came up with the key idea and and then the other thing was was that the original uh ampeg flip top when it first came out whatever year it was their promotion is they had a key ignition and what they would do is they would they would for free give all the top studios in america like in new york and california of a ampeg flip top and then they would give the keys to the top bass players so the so the studio mm. couldn't even use it until the bass player showed up with the key and turned it on and then they could record in that studio so like you know wow. some some top top you know so i saw that and i and and also if you remember the uh that early flip top had a lighted logo yeah so so i did the lighted logo and the key and the last piece of the puzzle was we were trying to figure out you know how to go up against marshall's you know the cool factor right yeah. and so that's why we made the key so that it had a logo on it it came with a chain so you could wear it around your neck it was it was a whole like i have one of these kind of a of a deal right kind of a so there was a whole thing behind it to try to you know you could turn it off and take your key and nobody can turn it on without the key right. so if you if you were if you did leave your house or you left a rehearsal you know you could turn the key off so that was where that all came from okay all right i remember a friend of mine uh, owned a pawn shop and uh, he said he was man he goes every time one of those uh, ampeg heads comes in he goes you know the ones with the key it's like yeah he goes if it doesn't come in with the key i don't take it <laughs> I was like, I'm sure you, you know, as long as they can prove they owned it and it, if it defaulted and you got it, I'm pretty sure you can get a hold of Ampeg and get another key. <laughs> he goes, I don't well, take the, time. Well, pro the, the, problem, the problem is there's two different keys and it all depends. There's like one at 45 degrees and one at like 30 degrees. Yes. And so there's, so there's two different keys and, you know, the problem is, is loud industries doesn't, didn't keep it. Um, you know, if you went to a locksmith, because it is a, it is an actual, it's a real switch that's used in vending machines. Yeah. You know, so so if you go to if they if you go to a locksmith, they can make you a key. It's 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 not it's not impossible. Huh. It, it's it's just yeah. I mean, if you're if you're you know a, a tech a technician, you know you can bypass that that. Uh, that switch, but you know, because it, it, it's it's in line with the main AC power. It's coming in off the you know the AC cord, yeah. so it's it's because that was the whole thing. We had to get UL approval because of use, running high voltage through uh -huh. it, and, you know. But yeah, no, yeah, you can you okay. can find you can find parts for it. Well, you know the the crazy thing is is I remember uh, I can't remember what band it was. They were they were a local band. Uh, the guitarist had the uh, VLs, and he, they were doing a gig uh, downtown Kansas City, and he forgot his key. <laughs> it was at home. 
So the, the gig ran, oh. it, it started about an hour late. And it was just like, well, you know, there's the key on the inside too. If you took the back off, there was a key inside. We pur- purposely put yeah. a second screw. Well, he lost, um, he lost the first one. So, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the idea was not to turn it off. You know, you just, because it, because it was a, a secondary, you know, you had power switches. You just, yeah. you could leave it on all the time and, and turn the amp on and off with switches. So it, it's, it's not like it was integral on turning the amp on. It was just a secondary thing for, you know, for the purpose of, uh, not getting blown protecting. up. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it, yeah, it's amazing. Um, we built, we built thousands of those heads. So there, there's a lot of them out there. Um, oh, yeah. it's amazing how inexpensive I see them sell for because, you couldn't build one for the price that they're selling them for. Oh yeah. And that's something else. A lot of people don't understand, you know, I'm sure you've been approached by, uh, that boutique company out of California. They are buying up everybody right now. Yeah. And it's taking it from handmade to mass made. Right. And I'm like, it, if, if you, I, okay, I've actually done that. I've taken an old school SLO and put it up against a brand new one. They sound nothing alike. And then brand new ones have, uh, I'm, I don't want to say a dirty sound, but it, it's not the uh, way it should sound. No, it's, you know, the, there's so many things that that create the magic of, like, if there's an amp that, you're you're crazed over vintage amplifier there's so many things that create that from the biggest thing is the transformers and and so many companies don't make transformers like they used to make them and because they try to cut corners they're trying to cut costs and especially if they're getting their transfers made in china i'm sorry but you know that's that's a they're there it's a cut rate it's made to be as cheap as possible. It's you're not seeing. I, I haven't. I have not seen one Chinese amp where the transformers are amazing. You yeah. know, they're always just good enough. I. Yeah. I so, you know, they that's, pass the you know, inspection. I, I, that's it. Yeah. It, it, exactly. So you've got that. Then you, then your secondary transformers are going to be your components. Yeah. And that you know, like. Um, we haven't touched upon, but, you know, I, I, I decided, you know, for years I hadn't come out with a new Metaltronics amp because I just wasn't, it wasn't inspired to, to do it. And I started getting so many emails from people going, man, what's going on? I want a Metaltronics, you know? (laughs) And I, so I sat down and I, I, um, on my drawing board and I started taking all the ideas from um, all the different products that I've designed. And on top of that, all my contacts with all these different boutique companies. And and I'm saying the parts companies, not amp companies that started hand making me my transformers, my capacitors, all the parts um, were, I, I was able to completely, uh, um, suss out what I wanted, the type, the way it worked. And that that's what happened with the, um, the M 2000, the, 
the other thing with it was one of the things that's always been a pain in my rear is wood companies, you know, dealing with wood, wood guys, they, they act like they're the number one thing on the planet. And I've always had problems getting cabinets made and get them made correctly and get them made cost effectively. So I came up with this idea on the M2000 to do the whole thing like a Shelby Cobra and use aircraft aluminum. And it took, it it took a year for, for me to, to, to work with the metal guys to, to be able to make this happen. Cause when you see the cabinet, it looks like it's a injection molded piece. You don't see any seams. You don't see any aspect of it. And, and, how that's done is they weld it all up, they grind it all down, they polish it up, then they, I, I have it um, uh, coated by this aircraft company that that actually they don't do outside work, but I met them on another project and they 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 do it for me. Uh-huh. They uh, they they coat the 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 outside coating with a special coating, and it's um it, it you know what a pain what a pain to make the cabinets they're they're incredibly hard the, my metal guy does not look forward to doing them he's <laughs> he's always bitching going this is so much work this is so much work um, but the amp the amp is by far my uh my best amp that uh i have i have ever built it it sounds amazing and yeah those can they can go check it out on my leejackson.com site and just look it up because all my all my products are there on on the metaltronics the lee jackson yeah. stuff it, that's all it's all there at that location well see when you so, when you first started working on uh, or making the m2000 uh me and you have a mutual friend uh brian hogan Oh yeah, Brian. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and he he calls me up. He goes, he goes, dude, you're not gonna believe this. I go, all right, what? He goes, Lee Jackson's making a new head. It's going to be called the M2000. He goes, it's made out of like F16 parts and stuff. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, it sounds phenomenal and all. So I knew about the product before it came out. Oh, that's yeah. So well, he's actually he's actually right. The the push button, I. Because again, I wanted to be, you know, different. There, there's several things that have never been done before, on a on a, a tube amp, and the first thing is is I have concentric knobs on the front, where there are two channels. The, there's all the, no, all the knobs in the, front, you know, concentric is yeah. a knob in front of a knob, right? Right. And the all the knobs in the front are one channel, and all the knobs on the back are the second channel. And everything I switch all the way from presence all the way down to, uh, to you know, to the preamp control. And the other thing is, all the push buttons; those are those are fighter jet um, switches that they How use cool on, is that? On, on their on their <laughs> dash. Yeah, it it is. They're, they're they're ungodly expensive, but they're so cool. I I I had to do it. Oh yeah, I, you know. That's go ahead. That's just. To, to sit there and think about, okay, this amp's going to melt your face off, but it may have also taken down a MIG. So yeah, that's right. No, no, it's it's no, it's really cool. You know, the the uh, the other thing that's that's really cool about them is the knobs. The knobs are actually vintage. Jazz, um, I I I 
did a big buy. I found them. Our vintage uh, jazz, you know, stacked knob, uh-huh. jazz bass knobs, you know, the Bakelite ones. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what the knobs are, and and I, I found them and did a big buy on them, and uh, and it, they're gorgeous. I mean, it's like it. I just wanted to make sure, like I said, is that every aspect, you know, even down to the faceplate. The faceplate is water jetted, um, wow. or the, the metaltronics, and then I, I, uh, I have this gold lighting that lights, and then inside there is also, I've I've stuck fans in there. And um, it is so that it actually sucks through the logo and blows cold air across the tubes. And it's it's really because, wow. you know, it's a metal box. It's a metal box. Yeah, I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want it to get get hot. You know? Oh, my God. But, well, so. Are you going to be able to bring these things like, uh, say, the end of April to the Dallas International Guitar Show? <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's, you know, there's, you know, there's so many projects I'm working on right now. Um, I, I do this stuff in runs. Yeah. Um, I have to get, I have to get like X amount of people like that. Uh, I, I collect up, you know, X amount of heads and then I'll do a run because, you know, you can't, Nobody, my transfer guy doesn't want to wind less than 10 transformers. My metal guy yeah. doesn't want to make less than 10 boxes. You know, everybody wants, you know, a, you know, and if, and that's even the best pricing they're going to give to me. If I try to do one-offs, you're talking insane costs. Oh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, if somebody's setting up to do one or two, it, it's just so expensive yeah. and and i've always tried to make stuff you know like people commented how expensive the m2000 is well let me tell you most of the money is going to other people yeah. i'm not seeing it <laughs> it's, it's it's like everybody wants wants a lot of money for what they're doing and um all i'm doing is trying to get the best product at the best price and then collect it all up together in right. an individual product. But yeah, I'll, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, I, I, I've been really busy with my, my new show, you know, Friday night feedback. Right. So that's been, I, you know, like I said, I'm dealing with um, interviewing all the different rock stars that I've worked with over the years. And yeah. that's, as you well know, that's a job in itself. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like herding cats. You know, you're trying to get everybody. Can you be available on Wednesday at three o'clock? Yeah, you know, exactly. Because like, well, everybody's everybody's busy, right? Yeah, they are. And, you know, but that's been that's been going really good. Um, and and which what wonderful is when I finally get a hold of the different artists, they've all said yes, which is you know that's awesome. I've yeah. been excited that that they want to do that. And then, um, I, I don't, you know, one of the things, I don't know if you know, but I, I design all the products for this company called Shanai. They, they were the original company that, uh, designed the Univibe, you know, remember the Univibe pedal, Jimi yeah. Hendrix and all those yeah. guys. Yeah. They, they came back online about six years ago oh, wow. and they contacted me and asked me if I would, designed their line because and i did i redesigned all their pedals and i came up with a bunch of new stuff so i've got more new stuff i'm designing for them that's coming out this year and uh, 
I uh, I also have one. They they're 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 actually also selling one of my products called the big one, which is um, it's yes. a a super yes, it's a super high end mic pre, but it's but it's for instruments. I because I was for a while there I was I was modding you know you know super high end Neve and API pre's and uh, I started learning what made them tick and. So I came up with this pedal that looks like it's just a gain pedal. Right. But it, but it's not. It's a it, But it's wait, a there's on, more. <laughs> there's more. It it's a full on it, it's a full on mic pre and um what I love about it is you know you turn all the way to the left uh and it just got one knob cuz that's all I put out to the public to adjust. Right. And um it's unity gain. So one of the and then it goes up 30 db which is pretty unheard of um so the fun thing is is what i love to do is i plug it in i turn it off and i get an artist to play through it and i and while i'm talking to them i turn it on and they don't realize that they're really getting into playing what they're playing and then i hold the pedal up and turn it off in front of their face and the drop of sound, not <laughs> not volume, the tone drop. Right. They they sit there and they go, no way. And I've had them unplug the pedal, plug directly into the amp, and listen, and then plug back in the pedal and turn it on, <laughs> and and go, what the hell? You know, um, I've had you know. There's a lot of artists that. Um, like bass players, they, that that's all they plug into. They plug into a big one, and then they plug into the main house system. And um, like the band Sticks, um, Ricky Phillips, the bass player, yeah, he went up. They they did some stuff in Europe, and all he took was his bass and a big one. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's a. We're actually we actually ran out of them last year, and we're right now doing another run. So. I get emails from people going, I want a big one. It's like, I have no control on that guys. Yeah. That the cup, the, the Shania has control on that. I just design them. You know, right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. But, I'm really going to, uh, try to get one of the platinums. Oh, the platinum. Yeah. That that's, that's my newest distortion pedal. That thing is, uh, mean in a box. Oh, you know, and anybody that wants to check it out, they can check it out on my website or go to YouTube. Um, yeah. There's there, there's some really good, um, not only me, but uh, this music store, Austin Guitar House, who sells them, did a really good, in, you know, uh, demo. The, right. um, the, the idea behind it is it's two distortion pedals. It's a, it's, it's a tube distortion on the front end and then a... I don't know what kind of distortion you want to call in the secondary, but what when you turn on the first one by itself, you know it has all the control of like turning your guitar up and down, play clean, play right. heavy, and then you when you turn on the secondary side, you've got two. It's like more and more, and it's actually two different vintage. There's there's actually NOS vintage parts on the secondary half, and okay. you can you can. You can get everything from the just melt your face down to to every you know nuance yeah. um, in between. It's yeah, it's a fun pedal. It's uh, 
and plus that same company that uh that paints the uh the m2000 also does my painting on those pedals and oh, really they're absolutely they're gorgeous i mean their yeah. work is i well, yeah. i i actually so, watched the youtube of you uh displaying the platinum and i'm saying yeah and that huh i need that <laughs> <laughs> well i i had i had an artist uh last year that said hey could i just use this into a power amp you know so that all i need is this pedal and uh and take a power amp i said i've never tried it. i said let's do it so he did it he plugged it into a power amp and it sounds absolutely amazing i was that that's yeah. all you need it's yeah. like it, it 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 you know if you want to play clean you turn your guitar down if you want to play heavy you roll it up it's right. like it, it it yeah it really does work because it's got plenty of output to drive a, a power amp so that uh yeah it's a it's it's a fun pedal it, it i'm happy with the way it turned out and those those i'm producing at my own place um that's really right now one of the only pedals that i'm making on a regular basis um because i that's... you know <laughs> yeah no no it's uh it, it's cool it, it's it's a it's fun and, and and it fits you know it fits a, a variety of styles it does oh, yeah, it's it does. not just with you know so you can turn different stages off that's the idea is i try to get stuff that does you know multiple things you, you know what i mean not it, just it things outside just of the one. box without having to think right and and you know because stuff's expensive nowadays you know because oh. and it's not because the individual companies are making so much it's because the parts are just getting yeah. out of hand cost wise well i tried to explain that to somebody one time because we went to a, a music shop and they've got the uh like the old jcm 800s and they got some 900s and they got all, all kinds of different boutiques well high end because marshall's never going to be a boutique uh but she asked me, she goes, she goes, why is that so expensive? And I said, well, it's not, it's not the Marshall that is expensive. It's all the stuff inside the Marshall. That's right. And That's right. I, I, I broke it down. I was like, I was like, you have to realize this knob costs them five bucks. They're going to make a dollar on it. Right. So they want <laughs> they may make a dollar on it. it. Might be twenty five yeah. cents. That's right. I think, but every amp is broken down into what it costs to make the entire amp, from the square inch of Tolex to the uh, rounded corner butts. Everything is figured in, even to that rivet that goes in and holds the the, the plastic to the Tolex. Everything is figured in, and it has to be so that they know how to market the the product and uh, well you're you know it's just like the metal guy calling me up and saying metal has either doubled or tripled now the cost of metal yeah. all metals aluminum steel all it. and it's like because there's so much waste most of the time when they're doing stuff they have to calculate that into their their build costs right exactly and you know, it's not like they get one sheet and they're able to exactly cut out, you know, some parts they can, but some they don't. And uh, there's waste and you pay that waste, you, yeah. you know, and, you know, and that's that's the thing uh, that we're all experiencing um, 
is these costs that are raising. And it's not a small, they're not going up like a little bit. They're going up a lot. And, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> and so that's why you're seeing a lot of people's products going up in cost. And it's a drag because there's no, I don't see anything in sight yeah. that's going to change that, you know. Okay, so let's take another little break here, and then we'll come right back to you, okay? What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for, is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. All right, hey, we're back with Lee Jackson. So let's touch a little bit on a part of the amp that nobody ever really understands except for the amp builder, the effects loop. The effects loop. Absolutely. (laughs) The effects loop. And what blows my mind is what a lot of people get away with yeah. on their on their products because it started off as just a uh, a, a, a break between the preamp section and the power amp section of the amp where and and if you're dealing with a tube amp that is really hot you you really can't put um, an effect in it yeah um, that's when you started dealing with uh, putting buffers in the effects loops, which then allowed you to, especially you would, you know, if you had individual send and return control so that you can bring down the level as you're hitting an effect. And, and, you know, there's a big difference between like a floor effect and a rack effect, right? Rack effect can take a lot of signal. A floor effect can only take what your guitar puts out. Right. Right. So, so what you need is generally on a tube amp, you've got 60 volts coming out, which is hot, really hot. And you then attenuate it down so that it's, so that it's like guitar level coming out, going through your pedal. And then on the back side, you've got to bring it back up to 60 volts, right? So you, you then have a return gain stage that you bring it back up so that when the loop is in or out, there's no change in level, right? Yep. That's that's the first simple. The next problem is how you do it, like what type of circuitry, how you design those stages, because what you don't want is you don't want to change the sound of your amp just going through the loop. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got this great sound. You got a great sound. You want it to stay great. But now you've gone through your loop and you've lost, you've lost everything. <laughs> right. It's now wimpy. It you actually you, you what I try to do is make it sound better through the loop, and I find people love using the loop, right? They just put a patch cord yep. in the loop and just you goose up the stages, right? And um, over the years, I've I've learned what makes a loop sound better than you know by changing values, by changing gain staging, by even changing whatever tubes I'm using can affect how that loop sounds. And um, I've always had an adjustable loop. Um, That was the only thing I did not like about when I was designing the VL, I'll be truthful about this, is that 
they came to me, everything was price-based. They wanted it to be built for a certain price. And when I started going over cost, they were like, nope, you gotta, you gotta cut stuff out. And uh, I said, the only place that I can cut is the loop. And they're like, well, cut it out. So that's why the VL has got a solid state loop. Okay. It's got, it's got op amps that are drive and return. And that's, that's the only, I would say, where I wasn't super excited about was the loop on the VL. Um, later on, when I did the Lee Jackson amps, um, one of the first versions that I came out with on the Lee Jackson, which was the XLS 1000, that, that was the VL with a fantastic loop. I took out the reverb because I don't like reverb in amps. Right. I, I, I don't like, I'm sorry. If you want a reverb, put a, a rack reverb in the loop. The RV 400 by boss. Yeah. Yeah. In, any, <laughs> any rack, you know, or lexicon, you know, put yeah. in, put in your fantastic reverb in the loop. I, I don't, the, I understand why people want the reverb, but it's mainly for sitting at home playing guitar because yep. spring reverbs are useless on stage. As soon as the drummer kicks his kick drum <laughs> and shakes and shakes your amp, <laughs> your reverb isn't that cool anymore. No, it's like, <laughs> it's now a nuisance. <laughs> it's, you know, that's why I, I originally came up with that uh, Mr. Springy pedal. Um, Cause I had a lot of, uh, artists that were touring with those early Fender reverb units. Yeah. And they just could not keep them quiet. They were shaking and vibrating and feeding back. And it, it just, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like I said, it's great. It's great either in the studio where there's no vibration yeah, or you're playing or you're playing in your bedroom. So, so yeah. So I, I know a ahead. guy who uh, years ago, he he was playing a, a one of the Fender Twin reverbs, and it was just no matter what he did, he, he that that spring was always back going, you know. And he goes, he goes, how can I fix that? And I was like, well, have you tried suspending it on bungee cords? He goes, what? <laughs> I said, yeah. And so we we made this box that fit around the amp, and we took uh, four bungee cords. And put them across the top and uh, four on the bottom, so this thing was actually suspended and it would just sit there and float. And you hit the kick and it didn't move it. I was like, "There you go." And he goes, "You're going to patent that, are you?" I'm like, "No, I'm not. That's just a <laughs> fix, dude." I'm <laughs> no, no. Um, God, I was I was uh, approached by an artist that sent me a picture of something exactly like that. And that's why they were they were having the same problem. It was uh, Tom Petty, Tom oh, okay. Petty. They were having because they used them live, and uh, he, they had the same problem um, where where their their reverbs. And that's when they were interested in the uh, the Mister Springy pedals because right. they could get the same the same sound, but you know without the the headache of of you know crashing and banging and. You know, because the other thing is the springs break, you know, if, yeah. if they vibrate too much. And yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, 
it, it's interesting. Like I said, you know, different eras um, drive different markets, right? Exactly. I, mean, I remember because at the time I was like one of the first spring reverb pedals and we sold thousands and thousands of them. And now, you know, people aren't that interested in, in yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's a smaller market. Yeah. It, and that, that changes, you know, it's like, it's something's hot one year. It's not hot the next year. You know, it's, yeah. it's the way the market's driven. And I can remember uh, a few years ago, the, the hot thing to have was the, uh, uh, the, uh, is a Saldano amp. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. The yes. Astroverb. Yeah, the, right. And then it went from the Astroverb to the hot rod. And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. <laughs> They're the same damn amp. <laughs> Just a different Well, you name. know, you know, the thing that's always amazed me is how the market works because, you know, during during the eighties, um, Guitar Player magazine did an interview with me and, and Mike Soldano, right? And the 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 market, the market, the world market has this, you know, just has such an opi high opinion on mm -hmm. Mike Soldano's amplifiers. And it was what was interesting is in pure numbers, I was outselling him a hundred to one. Oh yeah, I you know, you know I mean I, I we were we were so much more saturating the market, but he was getting way more press. I was like, what is this? I <laughs> we're on every hit album on the earth, and, and you know, and we're you know, we get little mentions here and there, you know. Everybody's and I'm not saying that Mike stuff's not great sounding amps. No, he he makes good stuff. He does. I'm not I'm not saying anything uh, he, uh, he qual did. quality wise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just saying is is it's interesting how, um, you know, people lock on to stuff, you know, yep. and all of a sudden it's like it's coveted, like like the Klon pedal, you know. Come on, five thousand dollars for for fifty bucks worth of parts. Yeah, it's like you know five thousand dollars you know it's like <laughs> what are you what are you thinking here but okay <laughs> yeah it no it's like great you know and i it's just that thing somebody locks in and falls in love with it puts yep. a high price tag on it and now it's you know it's now this ridiculous price i you know well, yeah i i I'm always, I'm always amazed. I, I am, I'm always amazed. You know, it's like um, a lot of people, I still to this day, you know, like an old Fender sells way cheaper than you could build it. Yeah. I've always been amazed by that. Like some builder that does a Fender knockoff charges three, four grand, but you can get a real one for 15 or 1600. Exactly. You know, and, and, and it's like, okay, what you know what you know people don't they don't equate that that it's 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 the original and it's fantastic yeah. but i'd rather spend this ridiculous money you know for somebody to build me another one you know well but some, yeah something that i always found really uh amazing uh there's a certain guitarist i'm not gonna mention any names because i don't want to get anybody in trouble here right. uh but he was in Guitar Player Magazine, and they was running a contest where you can win this rig that is used by this artist. 
Well, I, I talked to him a few years after that came out, and I said, what was the deal with that? I, I was like, because I know you don't use Soldano amps. Right. I know you can't stand Bob Bradshaw's refrigerator rack. Right. I know for a fact you do not use Rexer Wireless. <laughs> he goes, they paid me. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, no. He goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, all, I designed, he goes, I put everything together and wired it together. He goes, but I've never, he goes, I never played a note through it. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, the, the other thing that brings to mind is that, you know, one of the things I learned, especially during the Metaltronics era, is that a big part of every famous guitar player's sound is their hands. Yeah. Because the 80s was a perfect example. We built probably the same exact rig for 10 different of the platinum albums that we worked on. And they all sound different. Everybody sounds different from George Lynch to Steve Vai to yeah. Warren Demartini. Those None of those guys sound the same at all. And it's solely their hands. It's, it's you know, uh -huh. it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You know, you give them good tools and you give them, you know, stuff that can, that they can expound with. But, but so much of it is the energy in the person. Cause I, cause you know, when it really broke for me was under lock and key with George Lynch. Right. I remember, I remember George Lynch came to me and said, I want you to build me a custom rig and I want you to help in the studio. Cause I literally was tweaking those amps between songs. The chassis were open on the tops of the mm. bottoms. And I was there during the recording of under lock and key. And I remember that when that album came out, we're talking worldwide insanity. I went from two guys to 10 guys mm -hmm. and they're literally every day UPS would show up with boxes of Marshall heads with, you know, checks and, and it would go down the line where I had the first guy, you know, mark it all down. Next guy would rip all the parts out. The next guy would put in all the parts and then it would come down to me to, to mod it, you know, right. to do all the wiring, do all the wiring, go do, you know, do all the final stuff. And so my point on this, is we'd have even people going, we want every piece of George Lynch's, I mean, down to his PCM 42s and, you know, everything that he used, uh, which is a delay rack unit, if anybody doesn't know that. And, and we would do that. And then you'd get the call. It doesn't sound like George Lynch. Because <laughs> like, you're not. Because <laughs> you don't play like George Lynch. Yeah. But I can guarantee you, you have exactly the same rig that George Lynch has, you know, and, and it's, and that's when we, we, you know, we would get, we would get those calls because some people just think that if you buy the gear, you magically are that person. Yeah. Right? And, and th this is yeah. how I, I used to teach guitar and a kid would come into me and they'd say, I want to learn this song. I'd be okay. This is how the song goes. And they're like, well, that doesn't sound like the song. I said, because I'm not that person playing it. And they, they, they go, what? And this one kid was really into the arts, loved uh, uh, painting and stuff like that. I was like, I'm basically Gary Larson 
trying to go up against a Picasso. And, of course, the kid goes, who's Gary Larson? I said, the far side. <laughs> you know? Right. And I said, that's the difference is, is I have my own unique way of playing that nobody else can match. You have your own unique way of playing that nobody will ever match. I can play Crazy Train note for note, but I do not sound like Randy Rhodes. Because it's, it's, it's your energy. I yep. don't want to get all metaphysical, but there's definitely something in us that, that takes over the instrument when, when we're touching it. Exactly. And, and I've seen it, I've seen it, you know, where, you know, and Randy was a perfect example. You know, he was one of those guys that if he could play through a Princeton and it sounded like Randy Rhodes. Exactly. I, I'm serious. I, I, I'm serious. I, I, I've witnessed it. I just plug it in and it's him. Right. right. And you can, it, and it's, it's, it's the, everything. It's the attack, uh, you know, that, that the way you are, the way yeah. you hold it, the way, you know, the way you hold your pick, it, all of, all of that. Everything makes works such together. A difference. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, at, at, uh, when when uh, I I was when I getting back to Eddie Van Halen when I was spending time over there during the from Cardinal Knowledge recording, there was one point we had we had an M one thousand we had two other heads, and I and and his and his Marshall and in one hand I had a speaker cord and in the other hand I had a guitar cord and he's playing, mm-hmm. and I'm plugging into each amp just going boom and then play and then go and then move down. Right. You know, plugging in the speaker and the and the guitar cord at the same time and he'd play and they were everything was mic'd up, you know. And you know what? They all sounded the same. Yeah. It all sounded like him. You know, it was like you know, it's 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 so much as him that you know it's right. a you know, it it's a tool. You know, everybody uses a screwdriver. You want a good screwdriver, yeah. right? You want it to act right, feel right. You know, if they're all tools, you know, you you find the one that works the best for you, right? Exactly. That's that's really that's really what it is because there's there's no holy grail. I've I've seen guys play on just garbage and sound amazing. Right. Um, I hate hate to say that, but you know. It, it is. And sometimes the artist is just so good. It doesn't matter what they play in, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I'm not saying there's not great sounding gear out there because there right. is great sounding gear out there. And, and it can inspire you to write a song and to do something special. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it can. So, well, you know, okay. So I don't know if you've seen these uh, YouTube videos or not. I just thought I'd share this with you. There is one of uh, Mike Portnoy playing a Hello Kitty drum kit. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then there's one of Zach Wilde doing the Hello Kitty acoustic guitar. That's right. He's playing Sweet Leaf and stuff like that. Absolutely. And it sounds amazing, doesn't it? It does. It does. It sounds awesome. He's playing through a Hello Kitty guitar with a distortion pedal. Yeah. And it's like, you know, again, it's him. It's him, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he starts... He starts playing, and it's it, it's him that comes through, and you know, ma- amazing. I, I'm hoping to get Zach on my show here pretty soon because we've got such a history of oh, hanging yeah. out in in LA, and um, that it was 
we we had some fun times. He used to come out to my house in Malibu and 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 actually stay over because we'd be partying and you know one of those one of those debaucherous nights. You know that you. <laughs> You Not know, that that actually you know, happened. Yeah, you know, that didn't happen. No, I heard no, rumors, no, but no. I don't think it's true. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> nothing happened. We were good guys. No, that was, but that was the eighties. Right? Oh, it Come was on. the eighties. The eighties was a time that I, 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 it's not coming back, but it was, it was something. Yeah. Anybody that's still alive, anybody that's still alive remembers it. You know. Oh yeah. It's, well, for it, myself, back in. Uh, it had been early '90s when George Lynch came out with the Screaming Demon pickup from Demar, uh, Seymour Duncan. Yes, that's right. Everybody was snatching it up, going, "I'll be able to get those high ends that he's getting." I was like, "No, you're not." <laughs> no, because it's everything. It's your guitar. It's your style. It's yeah. your gear. I, I, I said, Absolutely. And I, I said, when when George goes into a studio. He doesn't go, hey, I think I'll try this. He goes in with what he knows works. That's right. That's his hands and his guitars and his rig. He doesn't switch things up. No, no. Well, it depends. Yeah, guitar players, you know, they they paint over this stuff. I mean, recently, you know, um, been over at Eric Johnson's place, and he's working, getting ready for the new tour. And he's painting over everything, like huh. just like he just everything his gear, his guitars, his pickups. He's like trying out every day. He spends hours and hours playing, and and it's like he paints over that stuff to make sure that it's exactly perfect, and you know right. what he's looking for and what kind of tone, and it's it's it, you know at some point you're like it sounds great, Eric. Leave right. it alone. It's, it's perfect. You touch that knob you know? again. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's what he's he's always doing. Which you know, hey, I I commend the guy. He's got a great tone. And he, he does. It work. And it works for him. And it's a you know, it it's not a tone I would play through. I I'd be much heavier. But right. He you know, but for him it sings and and it sounds great. And I don't think anybody's ever heard him sound bad. So. I I, I, honestly, yeah. I honestly think you could put him in a one of those Montgomery Ward Dean guitars and it would sound incredible. Absolutely, absolutely, with his playing style, oh, no question, yeah, no question, because he's just he's so well rehearsed. I yeah. mean, this guy practices ridiculous hours, and you know it doesn't matter as long as it doesn't have strings, you know, half inch off the neck. <laughs> <laughs> He could play, you know. He could play it. Where you change the note by at, hitting the note. Yeah. And, and speaking and speaking of the 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 uh, platinum, you know, Eric who hates everything likes the platinum. Oh wow. So it, yeah, he was he was pretty blown out by by That's the an sound. So it is. He was you know pretty excited over it because normally it doesn't get five minutes. You know he he because people send him stuff all the time. Oh yeah. To, to try out and to play into it. And, and uh, the biggest feature he liked on it was the, uh, the, the be able to disable the tone controls. There's right. a switch on it so you can turn the tone controls off. And uh, cause you get full frequency kind of a, kind of a thing on that. But um, sorry, I didn't mean to digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, that, okay, so this podcast is called The Next Note, and that's what it's all about. This thing is 100% about going outside of the box and not, and not just talking, you know, I built amps and blah, 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 blah. No, we're, we're talking about the people we know, the, the people we uh, converse with that know what we're doing. Right. And that, that's why I do this completely unscripted is so that everybody knows this is what's going on. Yes. I, I No, that's, that's the best because there's too much where people ask the same questions oh my God. over and over. And I don't want you to know. be one of those guys. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Absolutely. Same here. That, that's, uh, you want, you want something new because there's a lot of the same out there. And there is. And, and the other thing is what, like what I'm trying to do and, and what you're doing too is, is I'm on doing the, the, the podcast I'm doing, I'm trying to get to these people before they croak. Right. I mean, I, I would, I would, well, I'm serious. I would you have are. had Eddie, Ed, I would have had Eddie on if I just started this six months ago. If, if, if he was still alive, I would have had him on the show. Cause we, we, you know, we spent the whole idea was, you know, talking with people I spent time with, you right. know, uh, it's, it's, so I'm rushing, man. I'm trying to get to as many people as I can get to. Cause sadly, you know, you're hearing, Oh, so-and-so's gone. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, and you know, so. not all, not everybody's going to be a Betty White. Let's face it. You know, that well, was, you're not kidding. That was a tragedy. She passed, but good God, 99 years old, just a few days from a hundred. Not everybody's get that. Dude, I know. I watched one of those who died last year's. Oh, and it's God, like, yeah. uh, oh, <laughs> I only have so many. <laughs> I only have a couple of years left. Uh <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, it makes you yeah, think. It, it makes does. you start thinking about, uh, you know, what what's coming up, what's next. You know, that's why that's why I keep my schedule pretty full. I'm I'm constantly yeah. working on new projects and and uh, new new things. Con- you know, right? Because you know, I I really don't ever have any time off. It seems like I, oh. you know, I I I did I did stop for Christmas and New Year's, but. That was about it. Yeah. Well, for myself, getting with these guys that uh, I've met in the past, or they don't remember me from Adam. I'm just some, you know, meathead from Kansas City that was like, hey, man, great show. But now I've got this uh, nationally syndicated 80s big hair metal show. And people are like, no, I don't remember you, but I love your work. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. <laughs> well, you know, what one of the things that's interesting because you know, I have I have two complete different crowds that know me. I have the crowd that knows me as the professional musician that toured all over the place as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And then I have the guys that know me as the amp guy, right? right. And and what's interesting cuz you know, you're you're talking about Kansas City, well, you know, I was in Banshee, right? Right. And 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 which was a big Kansas City band, and um, and the same time I was in these bands in in Hollywood during early on that that did well, and you know I, I mean I played guitar. That's what I did. I I started off as a guitar player. You know, left yeah. when I left high school, I toured, and um, 
I just, you know, the problem with being a, a professional guitar player is if you don't have hit songs, you know, you're, you're sleeping in your car. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, okay, so uh, Terry Dunn and myself, yes, we, had the, we had the same management company uh, until up to, like, last November. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know Terry, and uh, I, got, I got to know Kip Burnham pretty well. And of course, uh, Bill Westfall, who tragically passed from cancer. Right. Tommy Lee Flood is Tommy. Right. You know, so uh, that's well, kind of cool. Know, Do what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going to say. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things of Banshee was a great band. And the stuff they're coming out with now is actually really, really damn good. Well, because it's only Terry now. Yeah. Um, the, well, no, that's know, not true. Chuck is uh, playing bass on stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because, because, uh, well, I'm just saying the only original member. Yeah. The uh, um, when uh, when I was when I was doing the thing at in St. Louis with Ampeg, uh, I went down to a local music store and I said, "Hey, you know, if you know anybody looking to put a band together." Um, I, I have a studio in my house and I'm looking to do some tracking and all of a sudden I get this phone call from Bill Westfall and <laughs> Bill comes over, amazing bass player, amazing oh, yeah. bass player, great songwriter. And uh, I showed him all the stuff I was writing and he, he, uh, you know, put his part on it and boom, we started tracking all this stuff. And it's like, man, we need, we need a, a, uh, a drummer and he's like well i know this drummer you know <laughs> <laughs> and so so then we get kent right right and then and then uh we're, we start tracking and then it's like man we need a singer and he goes well i know, I know a singer a <laughs> you know <laughs> so tommy shows up and uh which is basically you know banshee without terry it's me playing guitar right and uh, and uh boom you know this it starts taking off we start doing concerts and and playing around and and uh and then at one point uh bill quit for whatever reason i don't know we got a new guy that came in to start playing and um but yeah that was that was fun because kansas city is a great a great city they really get behind their music oh yeah um yeah, one of the one of the bands that used to hang with us all the time was Puddle of Mud. Yeah, you know who yeah. later who later went on <laughs> to great big fame and uh, the massive you know, downlet. And I remember, huh? Then a massive downlet. Yeah, Wes is a great guy, man. Just I I, I wish I'm nothing but the best for happened. him. But anyway, so yeah, so I'm saying it's which which is wild is because. You know, a lot of times people don't understand the reason I designed this gear was for me as a guitar player. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, right. it's not like I, I went to try to sell in the guitar market. It was like, I wanted a great guitar tone yeah. for me. And I started working on it when I was really young. I I met, um, when I was 17, I, I went to uh, the NAMM show because I had bought a Marshall stack and the music store gave me a pass to NAM, and I went to NAM, and I met 
I went, I met Jim Marshall and I met his top engineer who designed all the stuff for Jimi Hendrix. And, okay. and I guess I, I said the right things because he started sending me schematics and what to change. And, and I still have it. I've, I've got it framed in a frame of oh, the wow. original schematic that, that the guy sent me from, from England. And it started my journey. I started modding my own gear at, you know, 17, 18 years old. And, um, cause I, cause I wanted more. I, there was something I was hearing that I wasn't getting, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't master volumes. Then you remember there wasn't anything there was, yeah. you just had, to, you had to turn the amp up and go. <laughs> and, um, so that's how, that's wow, how it all started. Man. Like, you know, I, I, I became a guitar player. I played, I toured, I recorded a lot of different albums. I got tired of, of not eating. I got, <laughs> I got got tired of sleeping in the the rehearsal room couch, you uh-huh. know. And um, guitar players started hounding me to build their gear for them in Hollywood. And I said, "Well, okay." And you know, which changed life. You know, obviously now I could I could afford to live and right and 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 it grew from there. I I you know at times I I you know, taking sabbaticals and gone and played and toured and stuff because, you know, you're never going to get that out of your, Oh no. Out of yourself. I mean, there's nothing like playing loud. I miss oh, yeah. playing loud and, uh, <laughs> which is really fun. It's really fun to play loud. And, um, but you know, I'm still a guitar player. I still track all the time, you know, for my own self. Right. And, you know, so I, you know, I try to, force myself to get get off the bench you know and and do something guitar wise because it's really what you know i mean i love designing equipment but obviously i love playing guitar so it's it's once it's in your blood it's not going to be funneled out you cannot filter out uh playing guitar i've tried uh, well, you know, I felt I, I felt so sad of guys I've met that are incredible artists, but for whatever reason, they just don't want to do it anymore. And yeah. you're like, my gosh, you guys are so good. And, yeah. you know, and I, they they you see you hear them play and it's like, wow, that guy's good. But they just whatever reason, it's like, no, nah, I can't do it anymore. I can't I can't follow that dream. It's like how it's kind of sad. It is, you know, it is. You know, but anyway, not to get on the, the sad side. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so you have any other questions you want to ask me? Uh, man, I think we've really covered about everything that I've wanted to talk to you about. That's Well, I, it's, I, I'm, I'm so thankful. I, you know, I really, um, the, only, the only plug I want to, put out there is i really want people to to come check out my my new show friday night feedback because i'm going to have all the people that we've been talking about i've already had a bunch i'm going to have a bunch more starting in the next couple months because i'm right now preloading the show with artists um next week i'm filming i'm filming paul gilbert and uh you know the so i'm getting all the guitar players what um, what platform is this thing on it's on it's on YouTube, okay. And you, you can they can you can just search it, you know, Friday Night Feedback. It's it's in my main uh, YouTube site, which okay. is all my instructional videos. You know, I 
Um, about 10 years ago, I gave away all my instructions, like 30 or 40 instructional videos, all free. Yeah. You can download them and, and, uh, um, it, it's you can watch them it's for modding amps it's for servicing amps it's anyway inside that site is the uh friday night feedback site awesome, and uh yeah it's uh it's been fun it's i i've learned a lot because a lot of times if if i stayed in contact with you as saying an artist yeah. i i i know you more as a friend than than uh, than as the artist like i didn't know so many things certain of the artists had done right until oh, yeah. i i researched them out and i went <laughs> you did that you did that wow you know like billy sheehan uh recently i did which is a great interview this guy is such a sweetheart yeah um he uh he's talking about you know all the different stuff the bands and stuff he did and i was like man i had no idea you were that busy you know um which is great him is who he's not played with Yes, that is true. That is true. You know, and the other thing that was really fun is uh, Weird Al Yankovic's guitar player, uh, Jim West. He brought on he brought on the show a guitar I had never seen before. It was made by Moog. You know, remember really? the Moog synthesizer company? Yeah. yeah. And it and it has a built-in electromagnetic. Um, it's got electromagnetic system by the neck and one by the by the bridge and by by uh turning the pedal you can you can watch it on the video and see it creates these sounds that are absolutely i can't believe more people haven't used this thing because huh. it's it's absolutely amazing so it's been fun to to see things i've never seen before and and you know i'm looking forward to you know more stories like i said of because it helps me remember yeah because I, I swear sometimes I, I think when I read about stuff that I did before, it's a different person. It's like you forget, I, did yeah. I do that? I don't, I don't remember <laughs> that, you know? And I, wouldn't and do I that don't want to, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to forget. I, well, I don't want to forget, right? Yeah. I, and, uh, and it helps when I'm talking to these guys because they're bringing up stuff too, right? They're saying, hey, do you remember this or do you remember that? And like, I'm really looking forward to this Paul gilbert interview because me and paul hung out a lot during during the before racer x and yeah when he was in black sheep and you know all the different um all the different bands that he was in oh, yeah. and stuff and what an amazing guitar player amazing well, I mean, person just to dangle the carrot in front of the mule a little bit here the dallas international guitar the dallas international guitar show this year paul gilbert and george lynch are already signed to be there Oh, cool. So, yeah. And when is that? It's April? Yeah, the end of April. Uh, the very last weekend of April, actually. Oh, okay. I'll have uh, to come out there. I, I, know, I, know, I know that uh, Hogan has been really harassing me to come out to Kansas City. He's like, come on, man. Come out here. Brian. Yeah. Bri Brian is a great guy. Brian, Brian works with a bunch of different bands. Yeah. And uh, I've known Brian. Brian used to hang out with when, when I was – uh in the banshee group with you know with those guys right and brian was brian was around back then and he <laughs> brian brian is a true music lover he is he can't play he can't play he can't do anything musical but he has a huge library 
of music yeah. and loves it and can talk about it and uh you know really really an interesting fellow i i he he comes out this to say he flies out here and he comes and stays with me just to go eat barbecue uh, yeah he <laughs> i just talked to him the other day he goes you know i'm coming out to eat some barbecue i said anytime brian come on out because i'll take him to the best barbecue places and and we'll hang out and eat barbecue and oh that's awesome he's he's no he's a good guy he's a definitely a good person and and uh, i'm glad that he's out there promoting because he really does promote promote music a lot he and, does uh, yeah. and he, he, he does and and uh I know the last thing he's been working with is Mitch Malloy and that yeah. whole Van Halen, Van Halen um, experience, reads, you know, experience. And he's been helping a lot with that. And yeah. uh, I was supposed to go out there during that in, in uh, Florida, but I was just too busy. I couldn't go do it. Um, right. Cause uh, Pete Thorne did a great job. Yeah. He, I've Pete watched Thorne the videos from that. And I'm like, Holy God. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mitch and uh, Brian invited me out for that, and I was like, "Man, I just can't make it." So it's like... yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Pete Thorne did a fantastic job. He's a great guitar player. Oh, I'm yeah. actually I'm going to be going on Pete's show here pretty soon. Oh, nice. He came on my show, so at some point I'm going to come on to his show because he wants to talk about all the '80s because he was a big '80s guy. <laughs> He's like, I want to talk about the '80s. It's like, yeah, because when we were on the sh when he was on my show. He started asking questions. I said, no, 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 no. I said, this is my show. I'm going to ask you questions because I did all this digging about right. him. You know, I said, I'll come on your show and you, you can ask me whatever you want. I said, because, you know, I, I don't like talking about myself unless it's a specific like this where you're right. asking questions. And exactly. you know, if it's my show, I'm not going to talk about me. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, you know, but. But yeah, um, but you, you know, it's going to be a, this will be an interesting year. I, uh, uh, I hope so. Good God. We, something's got to give. <laughs> well, the tour, the tours are starting. Cause yeah. I, cause I'm, I'm helping these different groups getting ready to go out. I know that they're leaving They're They're starting the tours. So there's, we are seeing tours happening, which is great. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping because the more tours there are, the more work there is, and we all like work. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so so that's good. And uh, but you know, it disappeared on me. <laughs> Where'd you go? I didn't touch anything. I'm still outside Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> so no, uh, I, I just can... wanted to give you an invitation, man. Anytime you're in the Dallas area, let me know, and I will take you to a. I know I'm, I'm a fat guy. I'm like Brian. Okay. I will take you to a Vietnamese street food place that will blow your mind. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the next note. And I can't wait. I cannot wait to get my hands on one of these M2000s. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, my wife is going to kill me, but I'm going to get one. <laughs> well, there's there's one right around the corner from you. This guitar player, Andy's got one. Timmons? He's in your area. Yes. Yeah. No, not Timmons. Oh. And um, no, this, uh, he's he's got he's got one in your area, and Brian knows where it's at. Okay, and, uh, you, you get you get a chance to try one out, and, and uh, I I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's it's a great amp, and uh, 
But again, thank you so much. This was fun. Hey man, no I love reminiscing. I love reminiscing. Absolutely. And uh, I hope I hope your listeners enjoyed it. And, you know. Oh, I'm sure they will. I've got I've got worldwide listeners and my actual hotspots in Dublin, Ireland. And when I kind of threw the cookie out there that I was going to be talking to you, they lit up like really. So. Awesome. Right. Well, I, so one of these days I would love to get to Ireland. I I've oh. heard so many great things about it. Right. I would love to, I would love to spend some time out there. But Absolutely. Maybe maybe in the future. Hopefully. All right. Hopefully. All right. So Lee, hold on just a minute. We're going to rip wrap this thing up. Thank you for joining me. And uh, man. Can't wait to meet you. All right, thanks. What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back.